Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. We are extremely honored on the Bradford Show to have Tina Servacio here from the David Ortiz Celebrity Golf Classic. Both Tina and I have been running around doing all kinds of work. It's, it's, it's been exhausting, but we're taking two seconds to sit under two palm trees and, and, and catch up a little bit and, and really talk about some, some issues that have come up lately about being a woman in the media. But first... In case people don't know, Tina was the the when everyone talks about sideline report for Nesson, I couldn't believe that you're only there for two years because it was it was they bring you up as that's how you do it, that's how you do it. She did it the right way. She did an excellent job. And this was 2006, 2007. Did it seem longer than that? It's like 14 years, like dog years. <laughs> well, I think Rob because. There were so many stories those two years. Yeah. It was insane. There was a big overhaul of the roster in 06. So when I came in, there was some fresh faces with me, such as like Josh Beckett, Mike Lowell. They were coming in then together. That was a whole storyline because, remember, Lowell was the throw-in. Yeah. And then we know the story, how he paid off in 2007. Um, then you had Ortiz had that strange heart issue yep. in August of 06. Papelbon dislocates his shoulder or whatever he did on that pitch in early September. So there were a lot of storylines in, in that year. That's also when Dustin Pedroia was called up, when John Lester was called up. So that was 06. It ended very, you know, disappointingly if that's the proper yeah, yeah, word. Sure. Um, you know, no postseason, of course. And then 07 happens. And what I loved about 07, to me, 07 started on December, I think it was December 8th. 
and we can look this up and I'm probably wrong, it could be the 10th, of 2006 when Daisuke Matsuzaka flew over from Japan. Oh, we were tracking his flight, yeah. It was like, what, they, what do they call it when Santa's on New Year's oh, Eve? Oh, uh, yeah, Santa track. It was, it was yeah. Daisuke tracker, absolutely. Yeah, so it felt like that. I remember I was on the second level of Fenway doing all my live shots for Nessun, so you're overlooking Yaki Way, and we would track where he was over the, over the world. It was amazing. So that's to me when 2007 started. And then... Um, of course, the whole less oh, in the midst of all that, then Lester had cancer. cancer. Oh yeah. my gosh! So there was just so many storylines, and of course they won in 07. So you know, if you remember, if three years, if there's like three generations maybe of the the Nesson sideline reporters, you kind of maybe associate with those World Series games. And I was so lucky. Well, Tina, you were I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the first woman to do that job. Being the Red Sox uh, sideline reporter, yet I think Tom Karen did it, Eric Freed did it, um, and so that was a different dynamic. It was a different dynamic for everybody. Could you, when you started to do that, when you, first of all, it was when we talk about trailblazing. This is because that's what they've done ever since, except for Gary Streisky and Jemai Webster. But this is this was the first time it was done, and did you sense it first when you started doing it with the team going in the clubhouse? Everyone's looking around saying, wait, what's going on? There's a woman doing this job. This is something new. That was never on my mind, Rob, believe it or not. I never even, because I've had a few, I was the first woman to do this things even recently. Mm -hmm. But that year, what my big challenge was, the thing that stuck out to me is, oh, this is a New Yorker. Oh, really? <laughs> so that was the big thing. Um, and I mean, people just assumed I was from New York and was a Yankees fan. Yeah. So that was the challenge I had. But in your head, I mean, what do you think that that was a reality? I don't think anyone said, oh, here comes a New Yorker. I mean, um, I think more people have said, here's a, here's a woman who's doing this job. And I don't, I don't mean to sound like, you know... Uh, like sexist or anything, but that was a reality. I that I Rob, I really didn't even like. I never felt that way. Um, players and managers, for the most part, and coaches were great. Um, I think it was just getting anybody, and this is baseball. And this is what I've learned from covering all sports, all levels. You know, whether it's the NFL or arena football or college football or baseball or the Staten Island Yankees. Like, you know, well, I'll do like a feature with them, or even you know, I, when I was with the Red Sox, of course, we always did stuff with Pawtucket. But, um, you know, just especially in baseball, you, it takes a long time to build that relationship. And I don't think it was, oh, it's a woman. It's just, it's a stranger, you know, in our clubhouse. Can I trust this person? Is she a hard journalist? Is she going to out us? Is she looking for negative stories? Or is she looking for, you know, improvement, good storylines? You know, how this veteran's helping this rookie? You know, I think that was the biggest challenge more so than male female unless I was that oblivious so I'm glad I didn't notice that so yeah so I mean I, I can't I can't say that it was like that because I was sort of around 2016 not on the road all the time and one of the things we talked about this I mean the fact that you covered every almost every single game it was insane but so you go through that 2006 year and and how long did it take to sort of feel, whether it's the New York thing, whether it's a woman thing, whether it's the baseball reporter thing, how long did it take for, for you to feel, okay, I, I am comfortable in what I'm doing right now? It might have been September. Really? Because that, I mean, at that point, then, like David, again, with the heart thing, guys were getting injured the end of the year, uh, the whole Lester thing when he was diagnosed with the, with the lymphoma and all of that. 
then it was kind of like we went through so much together with players and coaches. And Tito was great. Terry Franklin, I would go in his office and ask him questions. The coaching staff was great. I would ask them technical questions about the best way to get the answer out of them. They were so good like that. But I think then, then it was like sit down and talk about serious stuff because those were serious stories. that yeah. had nothing to do with lineups or, you know, a guy's, you know, the pitching or the pitch, pitching rotation, nothing to do with any of that that last month. And I think um, then at that point they trusted me. But the, bet, the best part was coming back spring training because mm-hmm. then everybody knew who you were. Even if it was a new player, he was new to everybody anyway. Right. Um, and that was great. That spring training was one of my great experiences. I mean, I was six weeks in Fort Myers, just moved down there from – the, the day that Lester came back and yeah. gave me an interview and was around, and then everybody starts trickling in, and that was the start of a, a, an amazing season, historic. So uh, you, you, as you're talking and you're saying you're goes in Terry Francona's office and you sit down with him, this is one thing I remember, is that when your name was always brought up, it was a respect that the players respected you, the manager respected you, everyone respected you, man, woman, child, anything, they respected you. That goes with, you have to get that as a writer, but I am telling you, it is harder in that position that you were in. And you, this is a feather in your cap for doing it, but we've seen, you know, the other people who have done it after, it's taken a lot longer than two years in some respects. And sometimes, to be perfectly honest, it hasn't happened, where you say, there's respect, you're going to ask me for my time, you're going to get good questions, and... And so that is that is a huge part of this equation. There's a story I always tell students, because, of course, I go and talk to all the schools, and most of them are tri-state areas. So you're talking like St. John's, Princeton, Rutgers, Columbia. You know, so they're, they're Mets and Yankees fans. So I'll tell them the story, and this question has come up a lot, like you said, the last year, about you know women, women in locker rooms, especially with the Cam Newton situation, yeah. with the routes. Have you ever been through that? Is the, the the students ask me. And I've been telling this story since 2008. I haven't heard it, so okay. it's good. So this is funny. I think people will laugh in Boston. I think it was Mayish or June of 06. And Beckett got blasted by like, the Orioles. And I remember um, asking him, it was so obvious, and one of the hitters was sitting on a fastball, and I, yeah, asking them a question, what was your approach? You know, so-and-so was sitting on a fastball or whatever, and you know, how were you approaching him? How did you adjust? Did you try to adjust that? Because I think he had just, whoever it was. So I for it had two home runs off or something. What do you know about a 96 mile? You weren't there, not yet. So Beckett says that to me, and then like Gordon Needs and Nick Cafardo were like, they looked at me, they're like. Like, like shaking, nobody can see me right now, it's, it's audio. They were shaking their heads like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. That was a good question, don't worry. And I just sat there, I'm like, well, that's why I asked the question. You know, I'm kind of like looking around and thank goodness the writers and everybody around was like, don't freak out, don't freak out. Now I did go and cry in the bathroom later. <laughs> and and it's plausibly live, meaning it's being fed sure. and then it goes live. So it takes like three minutes to go live to Boston. And I don't. I really, I actually forget if it, I think it did make it to air. I don't remember. Because then, of course, the message boards went crazy. I'm sure somebody listening would remember. Um, but that thickened my skin. But I also didn't, like, cry to Beckett in person or, or was snotty. I was just kind of like, well, can you please answer my question? Like, I'm sorry if I, I don't know right. about a, how to throw a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. And I remember the following year, Hazel May was doing a feature for the magazine show, Red Sox, whatever. It changes every year. And she asked him who his favorite sportscaster was, and he said, "Oh, Tina." Oh yeah. And then by the by the time he won, you know, was ALCS MVP and won the World Series, he was so nice. He was like, "Oh, it's you know, like buddy, buddy at the World Series party." So I think you, you earn your stripes and things like that. So. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean that 
almost it's the initiation process. I, and even writers have had to go through. Even you know, female men, whatever, they have to go through this, and you just sort of have to weather the storm. But along those lines, and I saw, I've seen Beckett test the people after you, mm-hmm. too. And I don't know if, did has anybody, so you had, after you was Heidi Watney, after her was Jenny Dell, um, Gary Streisky, uh, Garen now, am I missing anyone? I don't know. Who was filling with Garen? He was filling in for her when I was at the world. Oh, Jemai, yeah. Jemai, yeah, so... In the time, so... Jamie Erdahl did a couple games. Jamie, Jamie Erdahl, Erdahl did a couple Erdahl games, too, yes. yes. So Jamie, Jenny and I are all at CBS Sports now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so did, had, uh, did Heidi, did Jenny, did anyone reach out to you and say, hey, listen, Beckett's being an asshole to me, you know, <laughs> or, you know, is there, is, did anyone reach out to you of, of, of that dynamic? Because, number one, like, there has been people, like, I'll just say it, like, like I was, I would be frustrated mm-hmm. that some of the people in your position didn't ask for the writer's helps more. Like, you always, we always talked with you and always traded information and, and everything else. So that was a frustration for me. And that would have given, uh, allowed me to have, I don't want to respect, I respect them, but would have had more respect in that sense. So did anyone reach out to you after you left to say, hey, man, this is a, this is a tough gig? When when both Heidi and Jenny started, they emailed me, but that was before they started. Yeah. And, and they were never specific about a player. I it's so interesting. I never met Jenny until our CBS Sports seminar last summer, so summer 2016. So we never met in person. But we had emailed a couple times and then followed each other on Twitter. All that. Heidi, I had met quite a few times at like Yankees Red Sox games because I'd be there for Fox Five New York. Um, and I would go up to Boston a lot with my schedule. It just worked out well because I was doing basketball, so I would go back to Red Sox games. So I used to see and chit-chat with Heidi a lot. But I think it was more about, like, I would talk to them more about finding stories. And here's something that I've noticed because, and we've talked about this a lot this weekend, how this industry is evolving. Whether you're a writer, a blogger, a broadcaster, a radio host, a television host, play-by-play, it is changing rapidly around us. Right. And it was real. I think maybe the change started happening then. And it all depends on who's who's the boss, who's the executive producer who is the game producer and that was changing a lot after I left. Mm-hmm. Russ Ken was there a long long time. Mm-hmm. Awesome, but then he had left eventually. Mm-hmm. So then the role it, it's very unique how different executives and producers want their role of the sideline reporter. Are they a third analyst? Are they a storyteller? Are they a journalist? Mm-hmm. Um, so that their roles were a little different than mine. Too. Even even right when you left. Yeah. I mean, Heidi was different from what you yeah. knew those two years. It's And it's extraordinary for me when I go from network to network. So then I thought I thought Boston was great. I thought the Red Sox were great. We would talk to owners, Tom Werner and Larry Lucchino at the time. They said, you tell the stories if somebody's not playing well. You know, just support it with facts. Like, you're not giving your opinion, but if you have a fact and, like, a soundbite from a coach or something from another player. Yeah, I see him tipping pitches or you'll bring that to the table. So it, it, it's not a negative story, but it is, you know, of the sure. struggling connotation. Um, but then I go to MSG and you could be, you know, three of 49 from three point range. And that's a good, you, you know, you cannot talk about it. So it's, ve- and I wasn't, you know, and I could say, say I'm looking in the dugout. Like I would do a lot of reports with Nesson with a soundbite to support my story. Hey, they, never, they never do. They rarely do, do that, that anymore. That, yeah, that, cause it does take up a lot of time yeah. but if I saw something in the dugout like hey so and so is encouraging so and so you know what I mean or uh, you know Poppy just hugs you know this or whatever or um, I would report that uh, with Red Sox but like I couldn't do a lot of that that bench stuff say covering the New York Knicks yeah. um, that must have been tough because they sucked that was weird but yeah 
But then with CBS, they're like, get in the huddle, get in that oh, bench. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's fun and it's energizing for me. Um, you know, especially because it's college sports, because these a lot of these kids could be my you know kids. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting in there with coaches and players and, and reporting that. So it's so amazing the difference of roles from each, like whether regional, network, whatever the case may be. How many times would they go to you in a game? And because this is this also varies. Um, you know, you really have to be paying attention to it. But at the end of the game, like, oh, they only went to her a couple times or they only went to him a couple times. How many typically when you were with the Red Sox, how many times did it go to you? See, I forget. I remember there was games where you walk away frustrated. You're like, oh, they only came to me twice. Okay. And there were some games you come to me like six, seven times. Yeah. It just, you know, depends on how the games was flowing, if you can get in that sound bite, how it's predicated. If, it, you know, a pitcher's knocked down the third inning, that if you haven't done your report on him, whatever, the you know, that's done. Um, or if they don't go to a oh, sorry, if they don't go to a certain bullpen guy, or it sounds like it was more. And again, I, I think I remember this to be this way too: is more information and less promotion. Yeah, yeah, we did. We used to do like one segment on was it Jordan's furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. That, that, but even then, I mean, this is it becomes like okay, you're going to do two segments, and one of them is going to be on the players' wives' foundation, why you know, wine. Event. A lot of that was pregame for me. Yeah. That was like pregame prepared, was interviewing, yeah, players. And with Tiffany, that's how I got to know her so well. Yeah. And of course, Kurt And Schilling. that's fine. I mean, this is, listen, yeah. this money's made and oh, yeah. good causes and, and business and everything else. And I think the Red Sox, that organization sets the standard when it comes to charity work. I yeah. mean, you know, from Jimmy Fun on down. I mean, you know, to the, what the players do. But um, yeah, a lot of, I did do a lot of that. That was pregame. You know, I would do my ride, would do my opening segment with the lineup and whatever the manager said and then I would have two right I had a lot of stuff pregame you know, sit with one writer as a columnist one writer as a the reporter yeah and that would rotate you know all the globe yeah, writers yeah, at the yeah. time and yeah, that, uh, was a, that was a dark day so I apologize <laughs> about that I mean honestly honest god I, I was I remember you know it, it was this relationship with the globe and it was it was you know you get into the summer months when people are taking time off whether Cafardo or Eads or whatever here we have Fluto Shinzawa, who is in, you know, who is, tell us Fluto, Clubhouse Insider. Fluto's great, but he's a hockey writer. That's what happens when you do 162 yeah, games. Because yeah. even even games on Fox and ESPN on Saturdays or whatever the case, we would sometimes even do a pre, if it was Yankees, we would do pregame, yeah. always do a postgame. Really? Or for Nesson Sports Desk at yeah, the yeah. time, because it was so thorough. Um, so I'd be there getting sound. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you were, you were, yeah, you were there every, it was insane. But, so... I want to talk a little bit about, and we're, once again, we're down here, and we've had a lot of time to talk, which is good, great catching up with you, and we talked about the industry a lot, and you were actually familiar with, you know, the conversation that's happened at our station, EI, over the last week or so, uh, with Trenny and Jen Royal, and, and, and so, it really, I thought it was an interesting conversation, the, the, all the bluster aside, interesting conversation about the difficulty it is for a woman to be in this business, um, and so... Talk to me a little bit about how you have seen that, like, and how have you dealt with that as you go from, you know, as you get older and as you've evolved in your career and, and what you have to present people in terms of what they're looking for, whether it's physically or whether it's information or how, how has that evolved for you? Again, it just depends on who the executives are you're working for a lot of times. That's frustrating because it's like you want you would like to think that if you're good, and this is sort of what Trenny was saying, if you're good, it doesn't make a difference. But that isn't the reality. And I've worked for, because I'm freelancing now, so I'm literally working for like seven places at this point. But um, some places, um, 
their executives are like they're not former say producers or people they're they're marketing so that's going to have a different approach than an executive that's been in the truck and has done live games and has experienced the on-air, you know, working one-on-one with on-air people and knowing how much prep work gets done, where, you know, others are budget, uh, promotion, sponsorships, the presentation. So they, they, they've never went through the whole journalistic broadcast. Right. So basically, then- basically they, they are prioritizing someone being really, really good looking. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, this, 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 this is this is this is where you know yeah. being honest. And fortunately for you, you're very good looking, and you're very smart, and you're not very old. No, <laughs> but see, you say that you're not old, and but that's the, that, but but that no no no. But that's the problem, mm-hmm. which it's in your head, right? Because I've been told that whether it you know whether I didn't get a, a job, we wanted someone younger. Now they, they say it to my agent; it's technically ageist. So then you hear it third party, yeah. so they're not saying it's you, so they're legally covered. So I'm not trying to like you know start a lawsuit or anything. Um, a lot of times, younger means cheaper as well. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, give me an offer because sometimes if I could fit that in, I'll do. Like I've done three live games. I fly cross country. I'll do a game on a Friday night. Fly cross country. Do another gig somewhere else. And you know, I that's what I do. I work. You know, right. I don't mind that they don't. Maybe I'll take your lower offer you say your crappy offer (laughs) your crappy offer um yeah that's an issue i think and the thing with trenny was it was you know good old social media you know that's the thing that's what's changed yeah i mean you're so you're constantly being attacked and it's by people that are you know whether it's an egg or a fake avatar they don't even have their real name it's these people that are hiding so they are cowards but they're still saying something that strikes home you know, it, it's still personal. Uh, so, so you you're familiar with it. So, Trenny was basically a guy called up, Bud in Connecticut called up, and said you shouldn't be on TV. Your hips are too big in this curling thing, and and this is a problem. The only problem I have with Trenny really, I think that she just didn't admit that that hit home. Like that that thing hit home, and that's where if you just admit that instead of saying, oh no, it's a broader issue. No, I mean, listen, it's. At home, and you must have, you know, a social media is a brewer. I saw it right away. I saw it right away. My when I do when I go through that because believe me, it happens a lot. Uh, And sometimes they think they're complimenting you, but it's you know it's not flattering. But um, I I wish there was just a way I could delete them. So like on your Instagram or your Facebook, you could delete and block. But Twitter stays. You can't delete them. So that drives me crazy. At least Instagram, there's way to hide stuff. And same thing with Facebook. So I just try to hide it and pretend because I don't want other people to see it because then to me it gets in other people's brain. But you can't respond to it. You I, know. I try not to. I'll respond when someone questions my knowledge. And that I've gotten into little, you know, Twitter bits with that sometimes because I know I know my stuff and I'll get back to them. And this is why I interviewed this person. This is the angle I took. Look at this option. This is my opinion. Let's agree to disagree. So I'll go back and forth with that. Um, but when it comes to silly stuff, you know, appearance and that right. kind of, yeah, I just. So, so have you, I mean, so you've never done that. And because this was what basically set this whole thing off. Trenny responded to someone and it, I, I get it. It is hard. It is yeah. hard not to. It's this. It, so, but you've never, you've been able to just never, never go down that road. Not with, not with like looks or appearance. I just, do I get hurt? Yes. Or I cry to my husband? Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, do we, you know, you run, how can I fix this? You know, do I run to the, you know, go to the gym at 10 o'clock at night, maybe sometimes. But, 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 so this is where we're, this is where we you know, I think Trenny has a point is that, is that you just said like, it's, yeah, it's, it's in my head. I'm going to run to the gym. Yeah. I'm going to go to, to the stylist. I'm going to do this. You, my hair, straighten my hair, yeah. wear a wig. What do I do? Yeah. So, but that's, but is, is that just, uh, the unfortunate part of this business that you, 
probably isn't going to change. I, it's it's a, it's a visual medium. Yeah. And you know, and I'm a girly girl. Like I like you know, I put my fake eyelashes on. I don't I'll tell people they're fake. I don't care. You know, it's it's I'm a girly girl. So whether it was on TV or not. I would, you know, dress in pretty colors, and I love dresses, you know, and I got used to, and it was Hazel May, who's, who said, don't be afraid to wear a dress on a ball field. Mm-hmm. She would, she taught me that, because someone in Toronto that she looked up to mm-hmm. taught her that. And now she makes dresses. And I wear them. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so it's a whole tie-in, and um, I love, you know, it's some, you know, it's about being comfortable, and some women are super stylish. Um, some are just, you know, plain and straight down the middle, and uh, it just depends on the mood I'm in, you know what I mean, sometimes. Uh, and I, but I like that. It is television. Um, so that's kind of, that is the fun part. Sometimes I love the getting my makeup and hair done for the studio. And sometimes when it's pouring rain and 30 degrees and I'm doing it, whether it's, you know, baseball or, or football, you know, what can you do? You just got to put a hat on and hope your reports are really good so yeah. people don't make fun of, you know, everything because you're not looking good well, in that situation. Well, also, it comes down to also your bosses. I mean, you said every, every bosses are different. Every bosses are looking for something else. You kind of got to know what your boss want. At the heart of it, you would love it to be like, I don't care if it's raining. I don't mm-hmm. care if I'm wearing sweatpants. My information's good. But we want to keep our jobs, and that's the reality of it. And I kind of learned too I always I'm not I used to be maybe intimidated or afraid to ask so for example and this is I don't mind saying this is not a big deal so I go to MSG and I hire a stylist in New York because again I was Northeast so she's dressing me and I got called in they're like we need to change your clothes They were, we're hiring you a stylist. Okay, good. They're paying for it because I was paying out of my pocket. It was the same woman. So she calls me up. She's like, let's not tell them. The whole thing was, how did they want me to look? So I was where? I was trying to be a little conservative. Like, I was thinking Wall Street smart. Like, okay, now I'm in New York City with the Knicks. And I'm indoors, so I was wearing, like, suits with, like, a shirt underneath. And they were like, oh, it's just too much with the different colors. And, you know, you just they just want it plain. And so you just, you know, wear necklaces. Okay, stylish. New, they wanted no necklaces. Is, oh, okay. Like, I just didn't know that. So it just depends on what they want. I'm constantly checking in with CBS. And they're like, oh, no, you're great. Okay. But I'll also, and I will, it's ridiculous, and they laugh at me because I'm not young. I've been in this business 22 years. I'll, like, I'll send an executive a picture of me, like, it's it's 30, 28 degrees out, two different hats. And I'm like, which one would you prefer? But that's part of doing your job. You Like, it's the unfortunate part of doing it's your annoying. job. Yeah. But it's you're doing your job, and this is like this is, I guess, the conversation, which is, yeah, it sucks, but you have to adjust. Like I have to, like, do I want to do, do Instagram posts all the time? No, I don't. <laughs> but it's it's part of the job. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's just a process, but um, I use it. I think it's fun because it's built fun relationships now with the guys that I yeah. report to at CBS. They get a kick out of it. They're like, oh, you know, it's either going to, you know, have us pick our hat today. It's just, <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. So when you said so, 22 years ago, or when you were starting out with the Red Sox job, and you did you think that it would be what it is now? In other words, when you know when. Same thing with writing. Like I'm like I'm just gonna write a story and it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be a good reporter and I'm gonna make all kinds of money and that's what I'll be judged on. And I'm 20 years down the road. I'm like, you know, I would could never thought that I would do this, this, and this to stay viable. Could you have ever imagined? Because I don't know who we talked about Jackie Mullen, but she's a writer. Um, so the reporting aspect of it was there anyone you said at that time that was, you know, who was older when you were younger and said. You either talked to or you said, 
hey, that's what I want to evolve into? Uh, Bonnie Bernstein. Oh, yeah. And she went to Maryland. She graduated right as I got there. So she came back and talked to my class when I was a freshman. She was only a year out, and she was already she was maybe a couple years out. Her and I are good friends today. We hang out socially sometimes, then we do you know work stuff together. Um, and I got a, had a lot of time to talk to her when she was filling in for Peter Gammons on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we had shared a few um, dugouts together. That was awesome. Um, and then uh, who have you know meeting along the way like Hannah Storm, Michelle Tafoya, they you know before the women before me that I had seen out on the field, whether it was in the studio as sideline doing interviews, uh, Linda Cohn. That so cool full circle. Linda Cohn, I remember specifically in college, because I went to college to be a broadcast journalist. Not necessarily sports, but I loved sports. And then I saw all the sportscasters coming out of Maryland when I got there. I'm like, oh, well, I, I, I want to try sports. So I immediately went to the radio station. We had cable TV in our dorm in the hallway, in the, the common area. I forget what it was called. Common area. And we had ESPN. We only had a couple cable channels. I remember seeing Linda Cohn. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a woman. She's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we're watching SportsCenter. And she may have been the only anchor on SportsCenter at the time that was a woman. And, you know, we had Susan Waldman in New York. I mean, there was women. But, um, but that was a little different. I mean, she, Susan was a talk radio person involved in the broadcast. It wasn't necessarily on, you know in front on a desk or on the air yeah so linda was out there doing you know doing her highlights and um just this past year the past few years a year and a half about now her and i'll host once in a while together on mad dog radio we'll fill in for the morning men i would listen to that show we have the morning women once usually over the holidays we didn't get our schedule yet but that's where i usually am too (laughs) yeah filling in but um it depends on our schedule but it's been it was it's really cool to have worked with her i mean she's taught you talk about trailblazer pioneer so so you know she she's still before I say this she's still at ESPN right gainfully employed yes okay. again her role has changed though she goes out to California a lot she has you're gonna see um well now she does they, they decimated their hockey department yeah so she's taken on more of a role in just specializing in hockey mm-hmm. uh, she's especially during the Stanley Cup playoffs last year which she doesn't mind because she loves it and her and I've talked about this a lot because mm-hmm. we were together the day there were the big firings and she was getting texts and she knew she was okay but friends of hers and it was insane. I mean, we were on the air, and she was getting uh, texts from well, friends. Well, she must have been, she must have been nervous. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, because, it, it, but like, maybe she's like at the level of the Bob Lees of the world, and you know, the sort of the the figurehead, not the figurehead, the the Mount Rushmore of the ESPN people. But she's older. ESPN clearly was trying to do something. We're younger. We're more personality and everything. But I'll say this about her, and I might be wrong, but this is what I've seen her. She's we talk about evolving. She's evolved. She she has she shows more of her personality. I see her and Al Duncan on Instagram. Yes. Like you know, so that's what we're talking about, right? It's like okay, you're older, but you've evolved in. There you go. She does all the motivational stuff. Yeah. She goes out speaking. She So she's supplementing. She's doing a lot outside of ESPN, too. Uh, yeah, we've talked about that a lot, too. And she was so professional. You know, like I said, her, her role has changed, but it's about having a passion. And whether you're on three minutes, three hours, three days a week, one day a month, make it friggin' good. You yeah. know, like that is your moment. Enjoy it. Don't be bitter. You know, just embrace that moment because things will come out of it. And like she said, evolve. You know, grow yourself. Spread your wings. And she's, you know, giving me that advice, too. I've been doing a lot of speaking and stuff like that. That's um, cool. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think that sometimes women, young women and women across the board, go into it with sort of a, hey, you know, Everyone, I, I am, I'm three steps behind every every time. That guy didn't give me a good answer because I'm a woman. Um, 
you know, I because I do see some of that, and it does frustrates me. I'm like, no, you're you you didn't get that good answer because you didn't ask the right question. Um, and I don't blame. I can't put myself in those shoes, but I don't blame a lot of young women and women for for thinking that way because it is harder. It is it is more difficult. But do you also see some of that? Jess Camerato, right? Oh, right. She's a, a good friend of both of ours. Yeah, she's doing so well right yeah, now. Yeah. So she yes. she worked with us and. She just powered through and just powered through. And I never got that sense that she ever was going to use this as a built-in excuse. Like, Wick Rousebeck was an asshole to her once. And I was so impressed how she just powered through that, came back, and now she's covering the Sixers for the NBA. But do you know what I'm saying is that, like, I I don't want – listen to me. I, like, I want to be a champion woman. But I, 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 but I, I don't I, – I don't like that aspect when it's like, hey, you know, I'm not getting good answers when I'm a woman or I'm not getting it. Oh, like the excuse because I'm a woman. Yeah, right. or, you know, or, you know, all that guy, oh, you know, he's just looking at me. You know, he just wants to see me in the locker room or whatever. And, and again, maybe I'm coming at it from a different perspective, but I don't, you know, I just don't – and this is part of the trendy conversation where – there's, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's not all bad and it's not all good. You get your bad eggs, like the yeah. Beckett incident, but then he ended up great. Yeah. You know, he gave me a great, I remember then, he gave me a great interview, like during the World Series. He had already pitched one on one pregame. Yeah. We put it to tape. Who would have thought? But you powered through it, right? Yeah. Right. You wouldn't say, oh my goodness, I, you know, I can't do this. So, so for, I feel like I'm a third, like I'm a wet, like there's two generations now behind yeah. me. So I, I don't know about the younger generation. And I, I mean, I have, I've had more coffee in New York City with young girls that are just getting out of college and whether they're at like a digital site or waitressing and try and blogging and just tweeting um so i just try to give them as much advice as i can but as far as in the locker room like i don't know i mean i feel like so you jess is a great um example jessica camarada very professional very and i'm sure she's been hit on by guys and mm-hmm. and everything else and you know like you know i'm sure that you have and everything it's just okay this happened i'm going to move why is it, am i simplifying it there's a song i forget who it's by no means no it's it's which is we always call it jessica's theme song because she is so i'm all well it's i'm way older now and been married 13 years but i used to be like a little too nice because i didn't want to lose the interview yeah you know what i mean but i'd be like you know oh i'm flattered you know where some people would do the wag the finger and tisk tisk and then i'm sorry you've lost that person right you know then you're being you're patronizing to a player that that wasn't a good approach either but jessica's like stern enough and then she'll like come around the corner again and ask this like hard technical question and they'd be like damn that girl knows her shit like yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. so it she has this psychological way of turning it around where a lot of this especially with this matt lauer situation stuff in politics it's power situations mm-hmm. where jessica does that she throws it away and they're like she's in the power spot she's like now i remember that game four years ago when you were up against this one and you couldn't shoot you know worth a lick of penny because he was defending you and it was against the zone and they'd be like what and like she can turn a conversation um she's great at that as far as using so back to the excuse i'm a woman i've watched some younger like middle younger now like a little younger than me but not 25 um work on their craft mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want to call them out because i don't want them to think they were bad like they're national one's national one's regional their post-game stuff is awesome yeah. their in-game stuff where in the beginning it wasn't necessarily oh i could see that I, I mean i see that i listen when a football coach comes off the field i'm like i would not want to be in that situation jamie earl is a good example that she's very good at it and and um and obviously you're very good at it so yeah so i 
I can totally relate to that. And but it's, it, I think it maybe is a learning like how because it is so different. It is such a weird environment, and a lot of, when you're the only woman or one of very few women, and and these guys aren't going to be. You have to earn their trust, and they aren't going to look at you like you know you want them to look at you. They're looking at you like oh you're attractive instead of oh you're a porter. You have to. So I so I get that it's hard and. So. Here's what I've noticed lately too. Um, it's again because I've been around for a while. Um, generationally, so there's a lot of young players here at this Ortiz thing. Yeah. Um, never met Chris Archer in my entire life. I'm, sig- I'm not significantly old. He looks younger than his age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. looks like he's 19. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's he? 29? Is he 29? Uh, he's somewhere around. Yeah, he's younger than me. I thought. <laughs> um, he grew up. Think about it. Watching women on television, yeah. watching women in dugouts as sideline reporters. So to him, it's nothing new. We had a wonderful conversation at dinner last night. Told me he would give me the interview today. Awesome interview. Address trade rumors. Address different stuff that's out there. Uh, issues in baseball. Wonderful. Never. And, and then we kept talking afterwards about stuff, too. Um, so I think when you get a lot of these younger players, it's it's they just... You know, if they're attracted to a woman, they hit on her. I mean, it's just because yeah. they're, you know, he's attracted to her. Right. But I don't think they're questioning, oh, God, it's a woman. And my, I don't think that's happening anymore. You'll still catch, and I will catch college football coaches, for example, because I have a lot of college football games. Um, they're my dad's date. They're my father's age. Yeah, yeah. And they will answer me a little different. Really? Like, I, I want a more technical answer. And I'm asking the question, but they're kind of just not giving it to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I expected more from them. But I'm like, they, it's just a different generation. They're not expecting that and question, or they don't think I would understand their answer. Yeah, that's what I think. Well, that comes to like Cam Newton. I mean, not Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah, but he's he. That's but his thing because he's of the generation that grew up watching women. He is so like I, I use this for example. First of all, he's got the history of what happened post game in the Super Bowl, and I've talked about this on air, Fox Five, because people ask me on yeah. on air about this. I compare him to LeBron. Yeah, LeBron is so self aware. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's going to say and when he says something and how he answers a question who it's going to impact yeah. whether it's his team whether it's a future teammate whether it's a kid that's being compared to him a coach a brand he knows everything his brand somebody else's what we're like cam has no clue no. so yeah. whether he was being funny whether he was flirting whether he was being patronizing a jerk we don't even know because he, he's just so oblivious so that's how I took that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's just, it depends on the person. I think it is generational mm-hmm. um, where right now there's, you know, a, the, the majority of the people in sports and all these players that I covered are all managers now. Boone and Yeah, well, I mean, yeah well, tell me about it. I mean, the Red Sox manager <laughs> is, is like five years younger than me. I mean, it's, it's depressing. The NBA, too. Oh, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Jason Kidd, I covered him. Yeah. He's in Jersey. Then went yeah. back to, you know, Dallas and back to New York. So it's, but so, um, so that's what you, it evolves. And that's why you look like at, like at a Jackie McMullen. I mean, she's just a rock star from start to finish because yeah. she's been, I mean, boom, at it so long and right, covered the Patriots and covered the Red Sox for and the, the Celtics for so from day one from when she was young and like, and like Jessica just kept relentless pounding away pounding away you had you had said something about power like the power and we're we're talking a lot about the power about the Weinstein stuff and everything else you know obviously don't get in specifics but have you ever had to deal with something that where you were fearful like something happened maybe a player hit on you or something you know it made you uncomfortable 
you wanted to report it, but you were hesitant to report it because maybe that would shut down the whole locker room or something like that. So I've been so lucky that, like, when it comes to management and executives, because we're using, like, the Weinstein situation or colleagues, like the Matt Lauer situation, I've been so lucky, thank God. I've never had situations at all. Um, there's definitely times. Me either. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely times where, like, oops, you know, didn't mean to say that. You know what I mean? Because somebody just says, oh, I like your dress. Like, they really yeah. do. They think, oh, that color looks nice on you. Well, that color looks nice on you, too, sir. You know, sometimes you can't even say that today. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so those things will happen. Or, like, a hug and a kiss gets awkward. And then, we like, it, that happens. Um, but it's, it, you know what I mean? It's fun. I think it's funny. I'm a little, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little too but, forgiving. But, so back, back yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I have run into people um, sometimes, you know, especially with this whole Twitter world, um, where somebody's, whether it's a player or like a GM from another team, yeah. you know, where they reach out to you, where I, I've never felt threatened, but it's, it's inappropriate. Uh-huh. Um, you meet somebody, you know, whether, you know, an owner through an agent, whatever the case may be. It's, it's you know, all over the place, every level from, you know, like a, you're, you know, a minor league coach. Yeah. Um, that maybe you have a commonality, you had a great conversation, and me, I'm thinking, I want to pick his brain because that kid's getting called up, or he's going to be in the NBA. So I'm like, oh, this is a good relationship, or he might be a head coach someday. And then it goes down a weird path. Yeah. And I've been married ever since I had like a high level job. That won't stop him, though. Exactly. Yeah. And I had a conversation um, with a woman recently, very established, excellent, and she said, and didn't stop when I was seven months pregnant. Wow. Wow. So there you go. Wow. Um, that's a power thing. Guys think they're a little immortal. A bunch of people have been asking me about it today. Um, you know, there were definitely times where I felt uncomfortable. It's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to lose this interview. But I've never, it's never gotten to the point where I felt I was, you know, some you shut down right away. Yeah. Some you're like, oh, like, you know, a number gets passed. Right. And I actually, like, did dial the number and said, you know, text and said, listen, I'm flattered. I know where you're getting here. But look, you know. My married, this is my situation, and honestly, my career even means more than my marriage, frankly, yeah. because you know what I mean. So you know, two what's it? One in two people get divorced. That that this would could ruin my career. So can we be friends? Can we be cool? I'll be cool about this. I'll be I'll be cool. Yeah. Let's be cool. Well, that's the big thing, is it? Yeah. Because we talk about power. You don't want to be able to not interview that person. You don't want the. You know how baseball or what is is it becomes. You know, these guys have a lot of time on their hands, so they're like, oh, no one talked to her because she, yes. yes. I've heard stories about that, too, about certain. You know why they give her a hard time? Because, you know, she shut down this one. Or maybe the opposite, too, Mm -hmm. you know, and something went awry. Um, Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's just the approach I've kind of had. But I think think a lot of it is because, once again, you know, it's going to happen, but I think that, and this goes back to the respect, the respect, and, and the, we go back to the two years you were in Boston. I'll always remember it. It's like the, the players respected you. The organization respected you. The riders respected you. And, and, for, and we talked about Jeff Camerato. I mean, this is, this is the best lesson. Fight through it. Get the respect. It's going to suck sometimes. Am I wrong? I mean, this is the, this is the Rob Bradford way of be, of dealing with the dealing with the job of being a woman in, in sports media. But am I wrong? Here's what sucks: when it's going well, you're like, "Oh crap! When's the other shoe going to drop?" Like you know, something might happen. Whether it's you know sexual harassment situation, um, whether it's or just like a snotty you know bad exchange with you know GM or coach or a player. You know, you're always like a fr- when does it happen? But you know, it ha- like you said, it happens to males too. But it's just always on your mind. And you hope it's something valid and not because you're a woman, you know, because then it's just, you know, the fingers pointed, even if you don't use the excuse. Yeah. Um, so. 
Yeah. Well, we, we've uh, we've sat under these palm trees a long. I, I've been very. I, this is what have been one of my favorite conversations, especially one of my favorite conversations under a palm tree in the I Dominican Republic. Shower. I just came I out of the gym because it was a little stressful no, waiting look, for players today. I'm, I'm not sexually harassing you. You look great. It's don't worry. It's, it, I'm not. Yeah, but you look great in. Uh, and honestly, Tina, it's it's good to talk to you. It also is good to catch up with you. We've seen each other a little bit over the years, and and now you're on to bigger and better things uh, in New York, everywhere, college football, and um, and I think that you know when I when this podcast goes out, these are there are certain people people love to hear from, and you're one of them. I guarantee you, and I'll show you the numbers to prove oh, it. No. So, well, hi everyone, Red Sox Nation. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, for example, um, I've kept in touch with David and his people. Um, you know, I'll, I, every time the Red Sox were in New York, I would get over there and create a story and pitch it to Fox 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, on oh, the freaking Red Sox again. Here comes Tina. I'm like, no, but I could get this. And one of the best stories I ever did was um, Derek's retirement year. Yeah. And it was, and this was, my Red Sox were still together. The 07 guys were still kind of on that team because I still had Pedroia and, um, and David. And they were, and John Lester too. And um, got those guys that year, and they, I just did this kind of like an account and recalled. And I even went back to some um, matchups with Lester early in his career with with Derek, and I brought them to John. John knew, I mean, of course, he yeah, yeah. Knew. oh yeah. And uh, he's like, "You did your scouting," and um, and just the stuff. And you know, Pedroia was a Jeter fan, and the, the, it was the best Jeter retirement story because it was coming from the rivalry. And uh, and and New York fans, you know, obviously they appreciated that. And that's the biggest satisfaction. I mean, this be honest, like, it's like I can be having a crappy day if I write a good story. If you do a good feature like you've done down here in Dominican, I, I honestly, you've done a great job. You've gotten really good interviews. MLB Network Radio is, they've been pushing this stuff out on Twitter. So as you leave here, it, it wasn't just like, if, if you left here and you just sat around and you went home, you probably wouldn't feel good because that's who you are. You so what? Like I am. I'm still pissed I didn't get Larkin though, because then when I got to him, he was like playing. Well. I was like, I just need to play through, and I couldn't get yeah. him either to record him or get him live. So seeing, I'm still like. Yeah, but that's that's good. Because yeah. <laughs> nice, still young. <laughs> Tina, thanks so much. All right, Rob. Thank you for having me. Keep your car looking its absolute best year round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy to use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. 
We all remember that one professor, the one everyone on campus had to take no matter what subject they taught because how much fun their class was. What if we told you there was a streaming service that had all those professors? One Day University has every must-have professor from the best colleges all across the country. One Day University, the most fun talks from the most fun professors. Available live and on demand. No homework, just the most fun you'll have while learning. Get a special offer at onedayu.com slash odyssey.